I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, all you listeners in the New York metro area, don't forget that this Saturday, April 25th, is the last podcast on the left live show, which we have the fourth Saturday of every month at the Creek in the Cave in Long Island City, Queens, right off the G train and the 7 train. It's at 10 p.m. It's absolutely free, and we'll see you all there. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? (laughs) Meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> Why does that make me so happy? Meow, 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 I hate my wife. Oh, you should love your wife. Happy, lo- happy wife, it's happy life, a- kitty. Meow, 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 meow. I don't know. Are we going to start the show with meow, meow? <laughs> you should see him. He's got his little hands yeah. up and he's doing kitty hands. Oh, he's doing kitty hands. Adorable. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just welcome people to the show then. I hate gay people. I'm okay. Kitty oh, okay, kitty. Good God. <laughs> What's wrong with I'll you? stab a homo with a fork. <laughs> you think that's appropriate kitty talk? Right. He, I don't know. Uh-huh. Someone needs to teach me. Oh, okay. Maybe with squirting me with a water bottle mm-hmm. or a bit of lemon juice. Right, right. Yeah. I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. We got Kitty Zabrowski uh, over there in Toronto. Yeah, man. I'm representing T-Dot. Woo! <laughs> I had a guy in the street last night tell me that. He's just like, you smoked that weed? And I was like, yep. And he's like, you ain't been smoking that T-Dot weed. <laughs> And, uh, T-Dot? Uh, T-Dot is a thing that they call Toronto here. Um, wow. It's an urban speak. Ah. Yeah, what does urban Canada look like? Uh, still white. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> Very strange. No, 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 no. There's black people here, and they're lovely. Um, <laughs> but T-Dot is a word for it. Also, the six, and um, uh, people worship Drake here. Huh. <laughs> they love Drake because he's from Toronto. Yeah, that's where he gets... does is talk about T-Dot. Uh, yeah, yeah, Degrassi and all that. He played yeah. the handicapped kid in a soap opera, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, he had, like, backwards feet. 
<laughs> frontier. Right? Let's go to the frontier, shall we? Oh, we're going to the the American <laughs> frontier today. Two tales of frontier madness. Oh my God! Now, frontier. This is this is your killers. extended family, right, Marcus? Is what this what this episode's about? Well, I mean, it's very possible. Actually, it's actually extremely possible. For my family was here pre-revolutionary war. We mm-hmm. fought for the right side. That's very good, Marcus. We fought for the Americans. Why are you pointing at me as if my family at some point didn't fight for the right side? Well, because so some of, of us have lineages of a horror. Your and father is an NYPD awesome. officer, Henry. Okay, you he know what, Ben? I'm gonna Ameri- make- he was an American NYPD officer. Uh-huh. <laughs> ben, I'm going to make you feel better here. Okay. Speaking of my ancestors, I'm going to go ahead and own up to something. I found out through uh, a family genealogy, we found a draft card from one of my ancestors uh-huh. that fought on the wrong side of the Civil War. There and his occupation was listed as overseer. Mm. Oh, he was in charge then of the slaves. Yeah, isn't that something? what he would do? But his and his most of his job was like making sure they had their exercise <laughs> and making sure they were eating right. Mm. Right? It was stuff like that. I don't know yeah. if that's the right history. Uh, what books are you reading on slavery? <laughs> I wrote this whole thing called, like, hey, uh, it was this weird book. It said, hey, let's buy them again <laughs> by Richard R- Rankleton. Oh, Rankleton. Yeah, yeah. notorious he's, bigot. He's yeah. from, yeah, he's from Connecticut. And he kept, it's like, what apparently what he do he would do was just go around to, um, you know, any, any, the tallest of, of a black ch- group of children um, mm. and try to uh, give him a hundred dollar check and say, I'm, I'm your, I'm your owner now, <laughs> right, <laughs> which right, is right, a difficult right. pitch. Um, be- um, so now, so today we are covering, uh, I was saying this before we started right. recording, um, it, it, American serial killers after 1960s. Yes. Dahmer and uh, our favorite John Wayne Gacy. Sure, These Bundy. people are fucking pussies. Uh, they got a, they are pussies. <laughs> Compared to these Wild West serial killers, these guys are fucking maniacs. These frontier <laughs> serial killers are so much scarier than Bundy, than Dahmer, than Gacy, because as they were murdering, their pants were full of dookie. <laughs> there was no clean underwear. These people were filthy, and they would just murder whenever they wanted to. And I, I feel like there's also something scarier about that. Well, you gotta get on there and come close to me. I go give me the chip of the chop. That's how I imagine all these guys talk. Yeah, exactly. They talk like human corn kernels. Yeah. Well, you better don't even. Because <laughs> in the Wild West, you, it wasn't like the silent killer who no. had to blend into society. No. You knew who the killer was because he had no clothes on and he was swinging a tomahawk around. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I got to give a listener credit uh, for this because uh, I can't remember exactly what his name, and I apologize, but uh, a listener turned me on to this book called America's Early Serial Killers by Mike Riley, uh, and I got both of these tales uh, from this book, and the first tale we're going to get into, I also got a lot of information mm. from an article called Killing Cousins by Jim Ridley, great article that really talks about these guys more in depth. We're talking about the Harp Brothers. The Harp now, do we have any music to sort of lull us into the world here it is all right well we're gonna go to kentucky <laughs> well <laughs> some of my gin i made it out of my old boot oh yeah my favorite it made of three of my daughters blind but it made one of them queen of the fair <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go to kentucky the american revolutionary war and we're gonna make a little visit to two brothers Possibly Scottish, possibly first-generation American, born to Scottish ancestors. We're talking about Mickey Big Harp and Wiley 
Little Heart. Oh, I right. like it because the nicknames are simple. <laughs> right. Big and little. We got both kinds. Oh, yeah. So uh, Mickey and Wiley Harp, they were brothers, possibly cousins, born <laughs> What's the difference? Well, we're, what we're going to have here in this episode is that we're going to have a lot of speculation. We're going to have a lot of possibilities. Maybe this thing happened. Maybe that thing happened. These sure. are also very specifically only Southern relationships that can happen, which is you're either brothers or your cousins. Not really sure. That's it. Sometimes you kiss when it's all dark outside. <laughs> These guys would own up to over 40 murders between 1797 and 1804. They are widely recognized as America's very first serial killers. And there wasn't a lot of people back then, so 40, 40 murders back then, that's like 200 by today's terms. Oh, easy. Anyone they ran into, they'd kill. Absolutely. Does inflation really work with body counts? I think it does. I actually so think does it Hitler, does. Can we now start saying Hitler killed like seven bajillion Jews? Yes, seven <laughs> bajillion. Because if it goes down, that's racist. Of course. <laughs> so Mickey, huge fella with a fierce look, covered in dirt. All the time. That's what everyone, all the eyewitnesses, all the people about Mickey, they always say, just covered in dirt constantly. Like Pigpen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if Pigpen was a raping psychopath? Ah, yes, maybe he was. <laughs> he had black curly hair, but his brother Wiley, redheaded. Ooh. He was yeah. much smaller, but said to be more devious. Yeah, mm -hmm. like the gingers are. All yeah. of us gingers are half leprechaun, and we love being sneaky, and we love playing tricks. That's right, we can turn chocolate into gold. Just ask the maids. I put, a, I take off the do not disturb sign, and I hide in the bed. And then when they come out, I pop out all naked, and I'm just like, you ready to play it tag? <laughs> you know, and then I run, him, I run him down the hall, to chase him down the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it's what a fun got, game. I think that's what got Dominic Strauss-Kahn arrested. Uh, he was a very wealthy politician before. You're just trying to play some tech. All right. So these guys heavily armed at all times. They usually carried a hunting knife, a pair of pistols, a long rifle, and their favorite weapon, a tomahawk. So cool. Oh, eventually, yeah. uh, this kind of sounds like a D and D campaign. It really does. <laughs> I mean, as far as weaponry goes, these are pretty badass weapons. You got your knife, you yeah. got your old school guns. Yeah, you got badass your... tomahawk. Oh, yeah, man. These guys knew what the fuck they were doing. So the family, the Harp family, they ran plantations in Tennessee. Uh, and there are two different accounts as far as the Harps go during the Revolutionary War. Uh, because this was right around the time that the Americans were getting shit or they were getting sick of the British and mm -hmm. decided it was time to kick them the fuck out. Get Hell out of yeah. here. Hell yeah. Woo! Yeah! Get out of here with your English way of talking and your bizarre knowledge and brains. We did it! <laughs> we kicked out them long trousers. <laughs> That's we what I've been calling British people here, a bunch of long trousers. I agree. Trousers. I mean, really, the Brits just must have been stunned when they lost the war to all of these mud people, they a.k.a. Were... <laughs> few Americans. Oh, it was the beginning of the end for the British. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we also had a lot of help from the French. Oh, thank you, French. Yes, thank you, French. Uh, so in one version of uh, the, the uh, Harp's participation in the Revolutionary War, they're much more grown up. They were able to actually participate in the war. They changed their names from uh, William and Joshua to Mickey and Wiley. Just to really get that white trash angle in there. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, this is proto-white trash here. <laughs> Uh, so these guys, they fought for the British. 
They did. Yeah, they were royalists. They were British oh, loyalists. There were plenty of uh, actual, there were plenty of settlers in that time that did fight on the side of the British. They joined mm. a Tory rape gang in oh, North yeah, Carolina. Oh, yeah, I remember when I got into my first rape gang. <laughs> I was so thrilled. I got my sash. Um, they give you a little ti- tiara. Yeah. And then they give you a tearaway pants so that you can rape faster. Oh, I see, yeah. So uh, you're a part of the rape gang. Uh, what do you guys do mostly? Mm. Uh, well, you know, so, you know, a lot of the times, it's paperwork and uh, it's <laughs> right, a lot yeah. of uh, yeah. we're playing cards a lot and then uh, you know and then we go out to lunch a lot as oh, a group okay. <laughs> and then we go bowling sometimes oh, nice. and then uh, oh yeah I mean there's a shit ton of rape <laughs> <laughs> that would make sense I mean these guys are the worst of the worst these are the people that really take it they don't necessarily give a fuck about the war that's going on around them they just use the chaos of war to rape steal murder mm-hmm. burn and destroy property especially farms of patriot colonies I mean, that's how fucking British they were. They needed a hierarchy just to do it. They couldn't <laughs> just go be a loose group of dudes out raping people. They had to be a gang, and it had to be organized, and there right. had to be a leader, and there had to be there had to be all sorts of uniforms. Bunch of rules. <laughs> yeah, this is what you call total war. Right. Uh, much like Sherman's March uh, in the Civil War, but much, much worse. So on August 19th of 1782, in the older version, the Harps accompanied a British-backed Chickamauga Cherokee War Party to Kentucky in the Battle of Blue Licks. Mm. Okay. Yeah. They helped. Blue Licks is also the name of a website where it's just uh, going down on grandmothers. Oh, yeah. I love bluelicks.com. It's one of my personal favorites. <laughs> so, near the end of the war, when it was obvious that the British were going to lose, the Harps deserted and lived among the Chickamauga t- Cherokee and lived in the village of Nickajack near Chattanooga for approximately. <laughs> 12 to 13 years. What are they, names, do they name all these things just by throwing a bunch of sticks at a bunch of rocks? <laughs> <laughs> now, what'd that sound like to you? Sound like Chattanooga to me. <laughs> In the other version. That's racist against the Native Americans. And we love and Native Americans. And that's not fair. No, it's Because not. there's so few of them to defend themselves. That's right. I love Native Americans. Yeah, in fact, I'm pretty sure about a quarter of the Native American population in America is a part of our Facebook group. That's wonderful. It's true. And so we, we honor your... Your people. Yes. Yes. Moment of silence. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it said when the there's another version that the harps were too young to fight in the war and but were still the sons of British loyalists. So either way you slice it, the harps were fucking traitors to the American cause. Unbelievable. And in the years Man, they started off bad. Yeah. They yep. started off terrible. And in the years following the pivotal British loss in seventeen eighty at the Battle of King's Mountain, Patriot quote unquote regulators Not to say that the British were the only people with the horrible rape gangs. Mm -hmm. The regulators, they went through and destroyed all of the British loyalist uh, property and whatnot. Uh, And so it's said that it's possible that the Patriot regulators killed the parents of the Harps, leaving the Harps to fend for themselves, stealing, killing whatever they could find to eat, uh, and generally developing quite the chip on their shoulder. So they became like Batman- 
if Batman was a smelly mountain rapist. And he might as he might as well have been. He he was he uh, definitely spent a lot of time in a cave. Yes, he did. Mm. Batman. Uh, and one they actually have many ancestors still alive today, and one ancestor who's a little too proud to be descended from these guys. His name is E. Don Harp. What's the first letter stand for? Is it like it's like Engelbert? Mm-hmm. Is that why it's an E? Because he's embarrassed. E. e Don Hart. A. B O M E Don. So he said that they lived off whatever they could find holing up in caves, which the cave lifestyle would become pretty normal for the harps over the next few years. Yes. And they eventually settled with the Chickamauga tribe. Both accounts say that they spent a lot of time with the Cherokees, which is where they developed their tomahawk fetish. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. But. Either way, it's during these 12 to 13 years that Mickey kidnapped two sisters, made them his wives. Man, they- I remember when things were simple. You didn't have to go through online stuff. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> you saw a woman that you wanted to be your wife, you just... You just took her. <laughs> you just had to take her. Yeah, this is a time when men were a lot closer to caveman than we are now. Well, right. They are literally cavemen. Yes. Right, right. Cavemen actually didn't live in caves. Cavemen lived wherever there were they put their tents. These are cavemen. These are two men that are so smelly, they chose the cave. It's interesting. Because bears left them alone because exactly. they thought that they were one of their own. Well, yeah, I mean, all the bears packed up in their little cute little bear luggage and had to leave the cave when these jackasses showed up. That's for sure. Let's get out of here, bouncy bear. If we don't get out of here, these two, I'm afraid that these two smelly monkey people are going to start raping us. Gather what? up your honey pots. Oh, bears are so adorable. <laughs> but Wiley, being the more level-headed of the two, actually courted and legally married a woman named Sarah Rice. What a square. Oh, yeah. Well, the women, uh, whether they were married to Mickey or married to Wiley, the women were all were horribly, horribly abused mm. and were too scared to run. And in fact, there were a couple of opportunities for them to escape. And as soon as they possibly could, they returned to the cave harps. The pair would not be seen again until 1795 when the entire family settled into a cabin in Tennessee. And it said at this point they'd already killed two people. Mm -hmm. And these people, they really traveled as a unit. Uh, they everywhere they went, there was always uh, the two Hart brothers, uh, the three wives, and whatever children that managed to survive past four months. Okay. Uh, yeah. And there was a brief period uh, of about two years where they tried to make an honest living. They tried to raise crops. They tried to get to know their neighbors. But, of course, they couldn't help themselves. They dabbled a little bit too much in horse thievery and had to go on the run. They were all just, just, they were just terrible at the block parties. <laughs> yeah, it sounds awful. <laughs> but another account I says... I just feel like... if. Do you know how, like, white trash people have, like, car tires in their front yard? I yeah. just feel like they have a bunch of, like, hooves and random horse <laughs> legs in their front yard. To be like, I'm going to put that together one of these days. These yeah. literally, as far as I'm concerned, it's like, I when I imagine Mickey and Wiley, I literally just imagine Yosemite Sam. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, if Yosemite <laughs> Sam was real and terrifying. Yeah, Yosemite Sam is far too uh, likable in those cartoons. He's a, he's a terrible man. Oh. He is a, he is a, a literal psychopath with with a hair trigger mm-hmm. who probably tried to rape Bugs Bunny at least once when he was walking around in that skimpy little dress. Of course. <laughs> Bugs was asking for it, though. 
Another account of how the Harps lost the farm uh, was it said that they bet the entire farm on a single horse race and lost everything, which... <laughs> now, I've, now for this horse race, let's choose our fattest horse, you see. That way, <laughs> it's low to the ground, and it's got God a lot of energy it, in it. Wiley, we got to choose the shortest horse. <laughs> shortest horse uh, is, the, is boys, the shortest to the ground. Now, boys, you know you showed up here with a mule for this horse race, right? You say one more goddamn thing about my horse, I'm going to stick this gun so far down your throat, you're going to think it's my cock. <laughs> All right, let's start the race. <laughs> so this sent them off into the world, of course. Now they're rootless again. Uh, and in April of 1797, a young Methodist preacher, one Reverend William Lambooth, was riding through the woods in Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> it's a lovely day to be on Outside for a reverend. <laughs> oh, is this a fresh apple straight from a tree? Oh. Mm. What's that smell? <laughs> okay, one thing you got to remember about Kentucky at this period of time, this is still, Kentucky is still the frontier. Right. Uh, it is completely overgrown with wilderness. There are only a couple of roads uh, that are safe enough, or not safe enough, but are paved enough, not paved, or at least uh, people can travel. Yeah, where they yeah. have, they actually have a map, and there's like a directional, you know, there's a place to go. Yeah, they're understand. not just wandering through the woods. Right. So William Lambooth walking down the road, and he said that a large man stepped from the brush had a rifle, so the harps and the women gathered up all of the belongings and vanished into the woods. And then a moment later, the bigger one, Mickey, jumped back out and screamed, We are the harps! <laughs> <laughs> and slunk back into the forest. I think that went really, really well. <laughs> it's a good job there when you scream, We are the harps. You know, I wish he hadn't maybe told them what our last name was. We could have made up a name so we could hide better, but I you're the good. Wiley, you're the good. Very cool. <laughs> terrible. I'm terrible at accents, man. <laughs> I need to get better, man. <laughs> no, you're doing great, Henry. So the family eventually found a somewhat permanent residence, or at least the most permanent residence they could find. They settled in a place called... Cave in Rock. And what's, what is Cave in Rock, Marcus? It is a cave in a rock. Oh. Yes, 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 yes. It's so it a, wasn't like a fun, like, boutique hotel? <laughs> no, and in fact, today, Cave in Rock is better known as the location of the Gathering of the Juggalos. Oh. Appropriate. <laughs> the only other place where there are actual slave wives. <laughs> yeah, well, just grab them. Grab them and go. <laughs> so while living in this limestone cave, the brothers hooked up with a gang of river pirates who had been operating on the Ohio River for decades the Harps acted as guides to unwitting settlers to help the pirates trap the unfortunate souls so they could rob them and whatnot. It's uh, really just an unfortunate set of, set of circumstances that this whole group got together. You know what I mean? It's like technically the same force that got like John and Paul together to start the Beatles. <laughs> right. Join them to the River Pirates. <laughs> It's such well, a fun, just the names of these people. It's just so fun. River pirates? Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely, I want to hang out with river pirates and cave people. <laughs> it sounds like a great time. So before the harps, the pirates were more interested in just simple thievery rather than physical harm. But that quickly changed once the brothers came into the fold. In one incident, the harps, for no discernible reason, 
stripped a man naked, tied him to a horse, and chased him off a cliff. So what'd you guys do today? <laughs> We we played horse and man. Oh, what we that's... like to do is just like it's it's called horse and man. It's like a funny thing where we say, "Hey, hey, you want a free trip to the bottom of the canyon?" And the guy's like, <laughs> "Good." And then we tie him to a horse. Man, I could. And then we just kick the horse off the top of the canyon. That is, <laughs> I could listen to your stories all night long. But I like hear how the river pirates severed ties soon after. Yeah. So they were just like, you know what? We're fucking out. We can't handle this yeah. anymore. Yes, yeah. yes. We're a bunch of river pirates. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know. I have I have shell shoes on, which are sharp and are cutting my feet. Right. I'm I'm upset most of the time. Yes. But you guys are fucking crazy. And you smell wily. And I I tell you one thing about us river pirates, we're clean because we live on a bath. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Get some bubbles in there. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere, and I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year, and that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothed, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into draft rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse. Ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go ahead to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Says right here, what would you do if another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you could do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer it's, of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So 
and you might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babbel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babbel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right, because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited-time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. So records show that the Harps showed up again in 1798 in Kentucky where they killed a little girl by smashing her head in. They murdered a boy on his way to a mill and slaughtered the man that they suspected fingered them for the horse rap that caused them to flee their cabin in Tennessee. I don't know how many times I, I have to eliminate somebody who's trying to finger me for a horse rap. <laughs> I know. It's so classic. It's really hurting me making friends here in Toronto. Yep, yep, yep. So the man's body was found in a river covered in urine and ripped open with his belly filled with rocks. This would be the Harps Brothers calling card. He's eaten all wrong. Um, <laughs> it's called, uh, you know, they were like, hey, you want to do funny thing and make a thing? We'll call it our, our pee bowl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is kind of fun. Sometimes they put ice chips in the urinals at bars and stuff. They just got to no, no. put yeah, rocks in the stomach. Because it's like, yeah. yeah, it's cool when they have the trough. Mm -hmm. Right. But how much more cool if it was just an open, ripped up fucking dude's belly all full of rocks? <laughs> it would be much, much cooler. That's for sure. So the Harps were absolutely merciless in their reign of terror. They would kill anyone who even suggested that they might be murderers. Now, this is a very sophisticated <laughs> form of hiding in plain sight. Yeah, it really is, because <laughs> they would kill anyone who suggested they might be murderers, and then they would have to kill the people that accused them of killing the person who had accused them of killing the person before that. It's That's a vicious cycle. That's got to be cycle. exhausting. <laughs> 
It's almost. It reminds me of. It follows in that uh, to that way. Yeah. That, you know, they just constantly go after the next person. Oh man. So they killed one boy for corn. Hey man, love me some corn. Yeah. I mean, they just, I mean that's what they would do. They would just yeah. come upon people, and they would just. It's like you got something I want. You're fucking dead. Right. Like where they would just. I mean, they could have just as easily just beat him within an inch of their life and that's left true. him there, but they just loved to kill. Yeah. And that's all they wanted to do. They killed a little girl, as Mickey would later say, just to cut her flesh into strips. Uh, They massacred an entire family and their slaves, leaving at least eight people butchered, possibly many more. Uh, And that's what I read. I I, I read it said, leaving at least eight people butchered, butchered, perhaps many more, which makes me think they didn't do a full count of the slaves. Right, 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 right. I just, you know, they they just made this little girl into bacon. Yeah, they did. They just kind of, did they eat the strips, or they just wanted to cut the... I think it was more... I bet they ate them. They probably did. I would not be surprised if the harps dabbled in cannibalism. No, no, what I bet they did is that they kind of just draped it over their face, and they're like, hey, look, I'm drapes! I'm drapes! (laughs) (laughs) Just hanging off their face. Yeah, kind of a fun little costume. Yeah. Mickey even killed his four-month-old daughter by smashing her head against a tree just because she wouldn't stop crying. And right. he said it's the only murder that he regrets. Oh, that's nice, yeah, though. That is that's nice. some regret. Yeah. I really wish they hadn't started that babysitter's club, though, <laughs> after that. that's That, to me, was a mistake. I feel like that's just asking for it. It's asking to make yourself mad. Yep, yep. <laughs> so finally, after a body count that had reached double digits, a bounty of 300 whole dollars was placed on the head of the harps. That was that's a about lot. Of, right. Was... I, would, I would say $300, and uh, that's probably what, like uh, $10,000 now? So a good amount of money. It's a good amount of money money yeah 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 they're killing little boys for corn and they're just killing a little girl to make her body into bacon yeah 300 bucks 300 (laughs) at i'm sure of course this didn't deter the brothers at all who while on the run continue to break into settlements to kill those inside or just anybody on the road that might have goods they could use for their own purposes they would be arrested once yeah. before they finally were brought to justice. Uh, in their first arrest for murder, uh, there was a man who had intervened on the Harps' behalf when the family couldn't pay for a bill. The Harps invited the man to ride along with them and predictably murdered him and left his corpse on the side of the what road. What possessed this man to help out these murderous thugs? Why would he help out of all the people to help out in the world? I don't, these are I, not the ones to do. I mean, they, uh, just at first glance, of course, they seem like possibly like simple mountain men. But uh, also, it's like, it's like people who used to hang out with the uh, Hell's Angels back in the day that were just hangers-on. Mm. Like guys that would just kind of hang out with the Hell's Angels and do whatever it is yeah. they asked them to do, even though they had no intention of ever letting them into the group. Yeah. And uh, knowing that the man had previously associated with the Harps, we got the first posse of the episode. It is so good. <laughs> it's posse time. <laughs> Boy, burn y'all now. We're forming a posse. Oh, we're I want some chewing tobacco. Like out of these horseshoes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to bring a rope, but the only rope I got is this belt I got. <laughs> that ain't going to be long enough. Oh, dang. <laughs> Why don't we? Hey, does everybody have rope belts? Yeah. yeah. Oh, let's just tie it together. <laughs> <laughs> it's a posse. 
<laughs> oh, good times. <laughs> so the family uh, was captured. Wives and all. Right. Uh, they capture all of them, but the brothers, uh, and something that we will also see a lot in our uh, second story, they were able to escape, left all of the wives behind. The wives were all pregnant at the time. Right. And after the women gave birth, uh, they released them, and the women immediately went back to Cave and Rock. So it wasn't as if these women uh, didn't enjoy the existence. I mean, they I must have, so. right? I don't think that's true. I think that they were <laughs> they were beaten until they were brainwashed and were deeply scared and had no life skills and had yeah. nowhere to go. So the killing continued with the harps as they moved through to Kentucky into Tennessee. And, and now we're literally watching them actually slip into berserker mode, which is weird right. because technically they started at berserker mode. <laughs> I know. You didn't think they could get any crazier, and then they proved us all wrong. Oh, yeah. So there was no... You got to no organized police force whatsoever. The most the people had was the military at this time, and the military aren't necessarily the best investigators in the world. So the right. harps were pretty much able to just move from person to person, from settlement to settlement, uh, without anybody really knowing what the fuck was going on. And in fact, sometimes, and it probably a lot of times, anytime there was one of these brutal killings, the first uh, impulse of people to say is like, well, them goddamn Indians did it. Right, 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 right. So with and each, they, and so with each of these killings, there were probably a, a good, I don't know, four dead Indians to go along with it. We just don't understand. All the Indians were doing were taking fucking mushrooms and talking to their reptilian gods. <laughs> they just did everything right, man. I love Native Americans. <sighs> I want to take some of that uh, peyote and what's the other thing? Um, ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I want to do is start wearing sandals and uh, and I want to wear pants that show my bush hair. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Put a little sunscreen in your nose to go with it. You'll look perfect. <laughs> so in August of 1799, the Harps visited the home of one Moses Stiegel, a man of suspected ill repute. Mm. So it's possible. So does that make him a male prostitute? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, these. I mean, they knew. Each each other from various dealings possible because all criminals knew each other in the wild west <laughs> it seems that way doesn't it it's possible that moses was a former river pirate ah uh, but, uh. but when they got to the steagle homestead moses was was away but his wife who had a four-month-old baby in the house was glad to accommodate their needs invited the harps right in mm. the harps requested a meal and a place to sleep uh staying with the family was a, a house guest there was one other guy in the house a one Major William Love, hmm. Love shared a room. Uh, Love shared a room with Mickey, and unfortunately, Love well, proved to he be was a snorer. Right? He was. He proved to be a deafening snorer. So did M Mickey. Of course, was just like, "Hey, why don't, hey man, hey, do you know that you're snoring? Could you move to to your side a little bit?" Right, and, right? Then, and then it was over. And then buried a tomahawk. Right into his fucking face. Uh, yeah. Put a tomahawk <laughs> in his face. Well, that was the original Breathe Right strip. <laughs> was just a tomahawk right in the person's face. So the next morning, Mrs. Stiegel, who had a colicky baby, and if you know anything about colicky babies, they never stop crying. I was a colicky baby. Oh. oh. That's not surprising. Hmm, yeah. So Mickey, <laughs> well prepared to handle such a situation. So he picked up the baby, and he knows that what you do is you kind of right. you just have to be patient with it, and you coo at it, and you sing mm -hmm. it a song, and oh, then a maybe a little bit of brandy, and you rub it on its gums, right? Yeah. Slit its throat right oh, in the crib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
different approach to parenting. <laughs> okay. So Mrs. Stegall, she was very impressed. All she was impressed? Well, she was impressed because she didn't know that the psychopath had gone in and slit her fucking infant's throat. <laughs> so she was saying, like, you just you just have a way with babies. I don't know what it is. Just yeah, nothing. I've got a way with the baby. I'll make it into a doorstop. Well, I don't really know what that means, but the baby stopped crying for the first time in three months, so <laughs> let's eat. And of course, I stabbed it in the face. <laughs> oh, I don't know what that means either, but you know, well, biscuits are up. Biscuits are up. I mean, I guess so. The woman was, uh, you know, not privy to the information that her t- child had been murdered, so she probably did have a couple of nice, peaceful hours. She really did yeah. until, of course, she went to go check on the baby, right. discovered that it had a slit throat. Uh, of course, she freaked out and was murdered by the same knife that they had used to silence the child. They stole her money, mm-hmm. set the house on fire, and lit on out. When Moses found his wife's body, Big Harp's knife was driven so deeply into her body that its hilt didn't burn. So when you get your knife, uh, when you get your uh, throat slit and your house burnt down, that's just natural causes in the frontier times, right? <laughs> that's just natural causes of death? So this time, this is one of the few times, and uh, this is what we see with the Harps and uh, also with our second story of Felipe Espinoza. The reason, one of the reasons why these guys uh, were able to operate for such a long time and uh, kill so many people, there were no eyewitnesses to any of these crimes. Right. Nobody had any idea what these people looked like. There was no ID. They would just find a body and just go, well... Ends the brakes. That's but it. But I also put it, you know, if they did have cell phones and they did have Instagram, I do believe that the harps would be taking a lot of pictures. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they're very proud. We're the harps. <laughs> <laughs> there was a laborer working in the fields near the house. Uh, he was able to get a positive ID on him. He informed Moses. And, of course, we got another posse. Uh-oh. Man, I want to be in a posse so bad. You just got to join one. (laughs) There's no application process. You just get to the back of the posse, and if you're loud enough, I'll tell you what, Ben, you can work your way to the front. All right. So they they lit out looking for the harps. They spotted smoke coming from a nearby cave because, of course, if there's a cave around, the fucking harps are going to find it. Uh, (laughs) They're so dumb. (laughs) So uh, the posse snuck up, and the leader, a one Silas McBee, managed to shoot Mickey, but both he and Wiley were able to escape on separate horses, once again leaving the wives behind, but with not enough men to chase them both, the posse decided to focus on the deadlier of the brothers, focused on Mickey. Mm -hmm. Once they caught up to him, four men fired. Only one caught Mickey in his leg. There was a man named John Leaper. His ramrod was jammed because, of course, we're going, they're having muskets and shit like that. It was Revolutionary War time. His ramrod jams. He asked to borrow a man named James Tompkins' rifle, took aim, pulled the trigger, ball thunked in the outlaw's heavy frame and shattered his spine. Now, accounts vary as to what happens next. Some say that Mickey asked for a drink of water. Wouldn't you know what? They brought it to him in a shoe. Isn't that mean? He mentioned his shoe. Oh, (laughs) good God. Some say he confessed to his crimes as he lay dying, just saying, so many dead, so many dead. So many deed. (laughs) So many deeds? So many deeds? So many deed. No, so so, so many what? So many deeds? I can't understand. This guy. I'm Scottish. 
I'm Scotty. Uh. Uh, I bring me my daughter. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to bury it in your face. <laughs> okay. Others say that Mickey said that his brother, that he and his brother had become disgusted with all mankind and had agreed to, quote, destroy as many persons as they could. And this actually reminds mm-hmm. me of this Carl Panzram quote that I looked mm. up, which is that Carl Panzram saying, the meanest man who ever existed. Right. Uh, I have no desire, whatever, to perform myself. My only desire is to reform other people who try to reform me. And I believe that the only way to reform people is to kill them. My motto is rob them all, rape them all, and kill them all. Well, I just don't think we're going to have... You're not Walmart material. Um, (laughs) Thank you for the application process. Uh, This is... I'm going to go. I just want to ride the shining machine. (laughs) I want to shine the floors. I like them when they're shiny. Okay. Just... Okay. (laughs) Well, Mickey himself had killed over 40 people during his spree. Oh, my God. He was only 31 years old. Oh, I'm such a loser. (laughs) I'm 33. I haven't killed anyone. (laughs) So the guy that's in charge of everything, he drew a butcher knife set upon Mickey. History records Mickey Harp's last words as, You're a goddamn rough butcher, but cut on and be damned. Uh Uh-oh. Great last word. Cool. His head was nailed to a tree 35 miles away and was left there for years until it was nothing more than a skull. Eventually, the road it was displayed on was named Harp's Head Road, which is what it is named to this day. I love it. I love it. It's also, I mean, that had to be used for directions. Like, take a left by the big rock, a right right by the pond, another left by the head of this guy, (laughs) this harp guy. And And you're going to be right there. Don't worry about it. That's how you're going to know you're getting close because it physically smells. (laughs) (laughs) So Wiley, he had gotten away from the first posse. He was captured later after continuing on a murder spree of his own. His whole thing Mm. was seducing women and then killing them. But he was caught trying to collect the bounty on the head of a gang he had ridden with. He, you know, was riding with a gang. There was a bounty out on the leader, cut his head off, tried going and turning in the bounty. But he was recognized by a man who had gotten into a bar fight with him years earlier. The man, John Bowman, said, If that's little harp, he'll have a knife scar under his left nipple from Mm. a go-round we had back in Knoxville. And the scar was indeed there. Do you think when when he was beheading this guy he was like you know this was more fun when mickey was around (laughs) (laughs) he probably missed him a little bit i bet he missed him (laughs) of course he he missed him yeah Yeah. well just better keep on going on that is what mickey would have wanted (laughs) (laughs) so wiley (laughs) so wiley like his brother had his head displayed on a spike as a warning to other outlaws very cool damn damn the Hart brothers cousins yeah, that yeah. is one of my favorite things that people have done throughout history, and we still do it today with, you know, perp walks and things like that. But just the displaying of a corpse, you know, as a deterrent is so. That's awesome. one of your favorite things. I think it's interesting. Humans have, I mean, everybody does it. Mm-hmm. Humans have done it forever. Yeah, man. I mean, in public hangings. I mean, it's yeah. not that long ago that we were still doing this. Yeah. You know what my favorite thing is? The invention of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ISIS does it to this day. Um, Yeah, no, I know. Chocolate is a great invention, Henry. All right. Well, now we're going to go from the woods of Kentucky to the deserts of Colorado. Ooh, yeah, where where they have a tortilla for a flag. (laughs) I don't know if that's true. So Felipe. Felipe. 
Why are you so angry? <laughs> I don't know, Pedro. Why am I angry? <laughs> oh, I think it's because you've got a piece of cactus in your shoe. <laughs> <laughs> It's possible. Oh, God, I keep it there, man. Yeah. I keep it there. So Felipe Nero Espinosa was a mass murderer known to have killed at least 30 people in mm. the Colorado Territory near the end of the Civil War in the 1860s. His motive was said to be vengeance. Uh-oh. <laughs> you will have his revenge. <laughs> So uh, Felipe was a Spanish-American, extremely religious. He grew up in a religious group called Los Hermanos Penitentes. They were known for practicing self-flagellation as a means of removing sin. Other practices included standing on cacti, placing stones in their shoes, and binding themselves to wooden crosses. Sounds Also known as the uh, South American Olympics. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What's self-flagellation? Is that a fart thing? Is it a flatulence? No, that's when you beat yourself with a whip. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. still do that today. Yeah, still a big thing in the Philippines. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy Catholic thing. Right. Yeah, the the Catholic Church near the uh, beginning of the uh, 19th century, or near the beginning of the 20th century, the church uh, officially came out and said, no, 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 you shouldn't be doing that. Well, yeah, because a bunch of priests started coming while they were doing it. (laughs) Most of them were. That's why it started. Oh, I see. (laughs) So Espinosa was the oldest of five, I believe, known throughout his life as violent and mentally unstable, but it would not be until his 43rd year that his murderous side would finally show. Newspapers at the time described a, quote, jack-o'-lantern grin of oversized and gap teeth. His canines were pronounced and hung lower than any other tooth. I'll put it this way. Again, it's in the West. You don't look, it's not the silent types you watch out for. It's the screaming (laughs) jack-o'-lantern tooth maniacs. I'm sorry. Jack-o'-lantern grin, the way they they describe his teeth, it sounds like a racist caricature. It sounds like he should be the uh, mascot for some Major League Baseball team. <laughs> it reminds me of the uh, the Indians. I actually did a, see a picture of him, like a painting of him, and man, he does look festive. <laughs> festive. Yeah, festive. All right. Like, I'm going where- to look him up right now because I want to see you. Espinosa. He's got a fun hat on, though. Yeah. In this picture. It's a real That's the festive part. 43 years old. So why did he wait so long to start murdering? Well... Let me get into that. Let's talk about, I guess, the general mood of America in 1863. Mm. Extreme violence was pretty much the norm. The Civil War was still raging across the country. And in addition to that, settlers and the army itself were battling and having wars against the Plains Indians. People so, thought that people thought that also that if you brushed your teeth that ghosts would fill the room. Oh <laughs> so yes. No one brushed their teeth. I still I I, I believe that's true. Yeah. I I, I <laughs> I have not brushed my teeth in a good five year, and I haven't seen a ghost since. <laughs> I mean, that's a, a little-known fact about America in that time is that well, the Union was actually fighting a war on two fronts, both against the South and against the Plains Indians, although with the Plains Indians, it was mostly just trying to fuck them over as badly as possible, right. as often as possible. But extreme violence was definitely something that happened, so it was something that people were used to, mm-hmm. but despite people being used to it, the crimes of Felipe Espinosa were especially 
brutal. All right. Yeah. The first victim that was attributed to him uh, was found in May of 1863. Felipe Espinosa's whole thing was post-mortem mutilation. Okay. The, his first victim, they found him with his heart hacked out of his chest. Where'd it go? Yeah, I think it was just lying next to him. Huh. He gave it to a girl as a valentine, and she screamed and ran away. Oh. <laughs> oh. So over that magical summer of 1863, 25 more bodies would be found uh, killed in various ways. Felipe used weapons both long-range and handheld, mm. and there was no real link between the bodies other than the intense mutilation. But mm. Felipe was not alone in his psychopathic quest for his younger brother, Vivian. Oh, Vivian. <laughs> mm. they, they wanted a daughter. <laughs> he what did he, was he dressed in, like, long trusses and constantly <laughs> yeah. combing his long, beautiful blonde hair? <laughs> I'm a man, goddammit. I'm a man. Shut up, Vivian. Be a girl. <laughs> so Vivian, he joined Felipe in this life of banditry. And the story that brought the Espinosas to the attention of local law enforcement involved a man, a wagon, and a horse. <laughs> the like es- most Old West stories, Marcus, it's not that unique. A <laughs> <laughs> you know, man, a wagon, and a horse. That's about what yeah, Actually, about now it. that I think about it, yeah, most Old yeah, it is a man, a wagon, and a so, horse. So uh, we got word we're looking for a man, a wagon, and a horse. So we oh, are looking great. for... Every great, single great. person? Just, uh, oh, yeah, cool. Oh, good. Oh, wait, wait a second. Oh, let me go look for one. Oh, there's fucking 20 of them, Rob. <laughs> All right. Any of them got a jack-o'-lantern-like face? All of them do. Okay. We're whittling it down. Boy, Texas Pete is a sauce and allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try Every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor by Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha, Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs and a whole bunch of cha, and it started off my day Correct. Texas Pete. Sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. 
Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. You're going to get a kiss in there. There's mystery, danger, and romance as you search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. Watch out for those sidewalks. They are covered in urine. And customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Oh, how I love the 1920s. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Do you want to set your child up for success? Yeah. So they can do some work finally for once, right? You're sitting around. They're just playing with their blocks, with their iPads, not bringing any money into the house. What a sham. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework, and you find yourself too dumb to help yourself? It's easy with IXL Learning an online learning program. It's for kids. You'll end up learning stuff yourself because adults don't know anything anymore. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Honestly, I feel like a lot of children could benefit from IXL learning. I think a lot of adults could benefit from IXL learning because learning gets pumped right in your home. They don't have to go to an elementary school like Adam Sandler did and Billy Madison because that is not yet accepted by society. All right. So you make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And last podcast on the left, listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash left. Visit IXL.com slash LEFT to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. So after robbing a wagon heading west, the Espinosas tied the driver underneath the wagon with his head barely above ground. Oh, wow. Then they whipped the horses who ran with the man tied underneath still for several miles, almost killing him. They said when the train fi- or when the wagon finally stopped, the man's face was almost rec- unrecognizable as human. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that is a that is a hell of a way to ride. Oh yeah. Hey, guys i'm supposed to be up on top no no we know what we're doing (laughs) (laughs) so the man survived though and was able to describe the two brothers and fingered them as the espinosas as he had once been their neighbor but apparently the espinosas had forgotten but (laughs) the man moved because those fucking these quinceaneras are just getting rougher and rougher (laughs) (laughs) and so a one lieutenant hut Accompanied by U.S. Marshal Austin, hunted the brothers down to a nearby cabin where Hunt, wanting to draw the brothers out using a clever ruse, knocked on the door and attempted to recruit Vivian as a soldier in the ongoing Indian Wars. Hey, we got a we got a whole bucket of carnitas out here. Yeah. Uh, okay. If anybody comes, unattended bucket of carnitas. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly don't have a bunch of Mexican men nets. <laughs> That's in the shape of Mexican men. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so this guy, Lieutenant Hutt, 
got Vivian outside, tried to recruit him as a soldier, which was a very common thing at the time since a lot of soldiers were, you know, fighting the Civil War. Right. Uh, They tried to recruit local guys. So Vivian... You know, kind of played along for a long time, but unbeknownst to Hutt, Felipe was inside the cabin with a rifle trained on the lieutenant's head. Finally, Hutt grew tired of the game, grabbed Felipe's arm, tried to arrest him. Felipe opened fire, and a gunfight began. Now, this is one of those classic old Western gunfights where you've got the house surrounded by soldiers. Felipe and Vivian are crawling on the floor, shooting through the windows. Mm. Their relatives are feeding them ammunition the entire time. But despite the odds, the Espinosas managed to escape. So, I mean, you know, you root for the underdog. Yeah, and I in mean, this case, yeah. they were the underdog, so yeah. it does remind me of all the Old West, you know, the Firefly family, of course. Oh, yeah, well, it reminds me of Young like, Guns in, right. Lincoln, in Lincoln, New Mexico. Right. It's like we all rooted for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid right. because they also looked like it was Robert Redford yes. and what's-his-name, and they're handsome and charming and shit. If they look like two fucking hairy, screaming Mexican maniacs, <laughs> it's going to be a little harder... To, to root for him. Yeah. Well, I'm well, rooting for them. I don't know, you know, at this point, pretty much, I mean, they played what you call like a frontier goof. They hadn't killed anyone yet. At this right. mu- at this time, all they'd done is, you know, tied a guy underneath the wagon and horribly mutilated his face yes. beyond all repair. So Technically, this is, that's yeah. just a funny prank yeah. for right. the Wild West. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. before the hidden camera gags and stuff like that. <laughs> and it was just you tie a person to the bottom of a wagon and hope they, uh, you know... Getting miserably mangled. <laughs> so after the escape, the American officials stripped the Espinosa home of all belongings, including the recovered money from the previous wagon robbery. Mm. Sometime later, the brothers returned to the home to find their family in distress and without means of basic survival. And this is the point when Felipe fucking snaps. Right. Shortly after the gunfight, Felipe was supposedly visited by a vision of the Virgin Mary who told him that it was his sacred duty to avenge the death of his family. For years earlier during the Mexican-American War, six members of Felipe's family had been killed by American Mm. shells. The Virgin Mary told him to kill 100 gringos for every one of his family that was killed. 600 would be his ultimate goal. That's great. Oya tener mi venganza! Henry, I don't ask you to do many impressions, but can you just do the Virgin Mary telling him to kill gringos, please? Felipe? Hello, Felipe. Is I, would, would Felipe stop... Stop having sex with the raccoon. It's me, I'm the Virgin Mary. Yes, Felipe? Whoa. Oh, um, I don't know. It's weird that I'm even delivering this message. But, um, you know how your family was killed for the war that we all signed up for? Those six people? And they got got killed in that? I'm going to need you to go ahead. I know. I'm going to need you to go ahead, and I need you to kill about... Let me just... Let me get do the math. Six times 100. Do that, carry the one. I need you to kill 600 gringos <laughs> for every one of them that got killed in that totally fair war that everyone signed up for. Okay? Hey, and uh, why don't you do a little praying for me? Because it's like, I don't know what a girl's got to do to get fucked up in heaven. I'm sick of this nickname. <laughs> I believe, I believe. (laughs) Well, another account says that Felipe was actually inspired 
in a fight against frontier gentrification. Really? Yes, because Espinosa's uh. family, who be- and this was a big problem for a lot of Mexicans at this time. Right. A lot of Mexicans had been living in the American West for hundreds of years before the white man showed. No, up. no, so- Marcus, that is wrong. We went and we that was there was no one there. Right. We just we were given it. By right. Jesus Christ, that, that was our that was our land to take. That this. was our manifest destiny. So Felipe just looked up one day and he's just like, "Gentrify? What's with all the yogurt shops? <laughs> all the muffin stores? This used to be all a terrible ghetto studios. frontier." Well, all of these Mexicans who had been there for five generations or more, they suddenly found themselves to be Americans after the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. They should be thanking us. Yes, they should be thanking us. We started signing treaties with these people, but unfortunately, as you know, Americans Mm -hmm. and treaties don't really jive uh, with the outcome all the time. So mm-hmm. essentially they just started taking Mexican land and giving it to white settlers. That's but because you always have to have somebody behind the person signing the treaty so you can see if they have their fingers crossed behind crossed. their back. <laughs> and we did, so technically that was all legal. Well, at any rate, Espinosa's motivation was simple. Revenge. Oh, yes. And he was brazen as... And he was brazen as well. He was very upfront about what his goal was. He sent a letter to territorial governor John Evans, laid out his plan in very simple terms. He demanded pardons for all of his gang members because he wasn't alone. Uh, And he also demanded a large plot of land or else the killing would continue of course, the governor declined despite oh, a threat against his own life. Hmm. Espinosa killed a man named Jim, Har- Jim Harkins. The Sunday Gazette would later describe the murder scene. Harkins had been shot in the middle of the forehead with a Colt Navy revolver. Then the murderers had taken the axe and split his head open, hmm. top of, to the mouth. And then, judging from the appearance of his head and the axe, they had hit him on each side of the head with the head of the axe. And two pieces of skull in his brains lay on the ground on top of his head. He was also stabbed twice in the left breast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frontier you know, newspapers were very matter-of-fact. Yeah, I mean, sweet. <laughs> the editor was thrilled. The guy writing this story was thrilled. I mean, ever since uh, ever since newspapers existed, people love that blood. Oh, man, they absolutely do. So the next victim showed up days later. A man named William Bruce was found hacked to pieces mm. outside his home, and a makeshift crucifix made from sticks was protruding from the bullet hole in his forehead. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Pre-Manson. I love I love love a good forehead uh you know an installation an art installation of the forehead is is pretty powerful you could call it that yeah 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 so most victims were uh in secluded areas and completely random one incident saw the brothers kill an entire small mining settlement picking off the isolated men one by one after sometimes stalking them for hours God, now it's that- like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie <laughs> it really is i mean how did these two guys get I mean, these miners, they all had black lung, and they were slow, and I'm sure they were going to die in weeks anyway. But uh, it it can't be easy to do this. I mean, this is a fantastic horror movie. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? You're out there. You're secluded. The West is a dangerous and new place to most of these guys. Uh, And all of a sudden, people just start dropping mm. dead. You just start finding these people. Also, they would they would play on the racism of people where uh, they would show up. Well, they would send one man in, and he's like, 
Hey, who wants to buy a piñata? <laughs> right. And all the mine, all the miners are like, "There's nothing I like. I need more in my life right now than a horse full of candy." Yeah, let's buy that. <laughs> <laughs> huh. And then they buy the piñata, and they don't know that Felipe's hiding inside of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, sort of a Trojan horse type situation, but a Mexican version. So he's in a piñata horse as opposed to a wood one. Okay. So the bodies were disemboweled, decapitated, their hearts sometimes cut out. Crosses were slashed onto their chests, stakes sometimes driven through their chests so hard that they would go into the earth. Do we know that they weren't vampires? That that Felipe and uh, no, Vivian weren't? No, the people they had to murder. No, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So your theory is that Felipe and Vivian Espinosa were fucking vampire hunters? You can just put that word behind any Felipe, the vampire hunter. Yes. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> so newspapers before his identity became known simply began referring to Felipe as the Axeman of Colorado. See, cool. they give these people the coolest names. So they why do. would that there's not a deterrent there? Ah, I want to be the Axeman of Colorado. He's also really phenomenal. disappointed the guy who was calling himself the Axeman of Colorado who had developed a really early version of the electric guitar. Right, right, right. <laughs> Paranoia ran rampant across the Colorado Territory. Although Felipe Espinosa was known by name, nobody knew what he looked like. On one occasion, a settler new to the town of Alma was almost lynched under suspicion of being the killer until a local pastor talked the crowd down. Good Lord, and I can imagine that uh, in no small way did racism maybe um, feature into this manhunt. This is America, Henry. <laughs> Racism never existed here. Uh, we don't blame minorities for the crimes that others have committed no, just to make ourselves feel better. Institutional it's not like racism. The NYPD still do it. No, institutional <laughs> racism's a myth. Oh. Just like evolution. Oh, yeah, especially in 1863, Colorado. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, looking for a man named Felipe Espinosa. If a guy has, like, a guy who was out in the sun for too long, they were going to lynch him up. Yeah. No, they would say, we're looking for a guy named Felipe Espinosa. Or he might be a future president. We just don't know because anybody has a chance in America. (laughs) (laughs) Felipe, however, would be soon identified a lumberjack driving his wagon west once more. A man, a wagon, a story. Uh, Fucking loose lip lumberjacks. All Mm -hmm. they do is gossip. (laughs) You know what it is? It's because they only get to talk to beavers most of the time. Oh, yeah. And, you know, beavers are always chatting about something. Actually, at this time in America, you're pretty spot on, Henry. Yeah. Most of the people that were in these territories were mountain men, guys like Kit Carson that had gone up into the mountains. A lot of them were beaver trappers. Mm-hmm. And in fact, every once in a while, here's a, a fun little fact. Once a year, all of these mountain men would gather together in a big mountain man party. Ugh. And if somebody didn't show up, very likely they were dead. Oh, okay. Sort of a leather thing. Um, kind of a leather party. I can just picture <laughs> that. You know, the l- interesting fact about the beaver, it was the original chainsaw. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just stick your finger in its butthole. <laughs> you, it just gets to chop it. I'm just about to say that. You're asshole. Well, this beaver's dead. <laughs> so the Would lumber. Be the only people showing up to the mountain man party with hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like those round little sandwiches made- that have like the cream cheese in yeah. them and stuff, and be like, I just thought. <laughs> Somebody would be hungry, right? <laughs> Hi, I'm Mountain Man. I'm from the upper areas of uh, the new territory of California <laughs> in San Francisco. 
Oh, yeah. Um, yes, hi. Hello. Hi. My name's Terry. Terry? <laughs> Terry, Terry, huh? What are you doing in the mountains, Terry? Well, mostly um, I love to watch the seasons change. <laughs> I, the beautiful, the reds, the greens, the yellows. I Just the way it changes. And a lot of times what I, what I like to do is I describe it for the newspaper in this thing I like to call a soliloquy. All right. What are you doing to me? Why are you tying me to the tree? <laughs> I was going to go, all right, he's one of us. Just unzip them pants and come over here. You know, the funny thing is that the West was actually filled with dudes like that. Oh, they were always butt-banging each other, right? No, no. I mean, guys going out like just nature dudes. Going oh, sure. out, like, writing stories, sending them back east, to be, back east to be published in Harper's Weekly. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. We were, in some ways, we were more civilized then. Hmm. Think about that. I mean, no, don't, because it's not. You could just rape a woman until she becomes your wife. Right. I'm talking about conservationism. Oh, okay. So the lumberjack, he was actually shot at point-blank range by the Espinosas, but not without getting a good look at his assailants. The sound spooked the horses who carried the wounded lumberjack to safety. The only thing that saved him was a condensed copy of the Emancipation Pro- Proclamation that he kept in his breast pocket at all times. I, it's just as American as it comes. That is the most American <laughs> story I have ever heard, actually. I love that story. Felipe's diary would later show that he had written on that day that he had, quote, Killed a man in a wagon. And this is very interesting. <laughs> different diaries than a girl has. Yeah, very yeah. different diaries. All of Felipe's deeds were recorded by the man himself. He kept a murder diary. I love it. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Yep. But the man Felipe assumed he killed would be the first person to give the killers a face. And of course, it's time again. It's possible. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ride on top of the wagon this time, boys? All right, but only if you sit on my knee for a half an hour. <laughs> oh, no, not again. It's just a good old-fashioned posse time, everybody. <laughs> so the posse was formed, and we were able to follow the tracks of the Espinosas. Along the way, they would find another mutilated, mutilated corpse so damaged that he was only able to be identified by his brother, who happened to be a part of the posse. Wow. Very wow. sad tale there. So the Espinosas would be found the next morning, casually tending to a campfire, unaware that the posse was closing in. The posse spotted a man whistling while tending to his horse. They opened fire and shot the younger Espinosa Vivian through the head. Felipe, however, who in an odd coincidence, just happened to be dressed in the exact same clothes of one of the members of the posse. This is why you do not wear uniforms as a posse. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) No, it just turned out that uh, the guy in the posse shopped at the same store that a man that Felipe had killed earlier because Felipe had That is embarrassing. That is is Nothing was more embarrassing than seeing someone else Mm. in your own shirt. Yeah, well, Felipe had a habit of wearing dead men's clothes. Well, naturally, Yeah. yeah. Those were the original stores. <laughs> so Felipe slipped away. The posse gave chase, but eventually gave up. They returned to the campsite. <laughs> what do you yeah. mean they gave up? They gave up. Uh, I'm done. <laughs> they gave up. 
What kind of posse are we, boys? They needed a big. They needed a uh, a, a pep speech. They needed like a, a a good coach to come in there and let them know they're the best posse around. Well, that now man. you knew when you were asking. You know this is a fair weather posse. <laughs> this whole time is that we're just hanging out until it's fun and cool. But as soon as it gets heavy, we gotta go. You know why? Because you know why. I want to be an actor in the circus. Mm-hmm. So they returned to the campsite and they found Felipe's diary. Uh-huh. Inside the diary, they found. You knew it was Felipe's because it, it was one of those Lisa Frank ones with the with the <laughs> pink unicorns on the front of it. Yeah, yeah. So inside the diary, they found all of his killings listed in great detail, both the act of the killing and the postmortem mutilation, long political screeds against the American government, imagined conversations with family members, and behind it all, a strong religious conviction justifying every single one of his deeds. So Sincer- I mean, <laughs> Sincerely, voy a tener mi venganza, <laughs> Felipe. Espinoza. <laughs> <laughs> he was an educated guy then, huh? I mean, he at the very least knew how to write and killed most... a man in a wagon. <laughs> That's a lot. Though. Most people were illiterate and couldn't write at all. Yeah, most people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was, in fact, the letter that he wrote to uh, to the governor was actually very well written. Right. Uh, and he had ideas. He definitely had ideas, but mm-hmm. unfortunately decided to follow, you know, psychopathic Virgin Mary into ah. a ca- quest to kill 600 gringos. Oh, okay. So after his brother's death, es- Espinoza laid low for a few months without resurface- before resurfacing with a new partner, his 14-year-old nephew, Jose. Mm. And on October 8, 1863, Felipe came across a wagon carrying a Mexican woman and a white man. The white man managed to escape while the woman, a one Dolores Sanchez, was left to be raped by Felipe Aww. repeatedly. Uh, Felipe tied her up saying, I'll be right back. I got to go get this white dude, but don't yeah. go anywhere. She yeah. managed to wriggle loose and uh, was able to find the local military mm. outpost. And the military now had the best description yet of Felipe Espinoza, and they set a man named Thomas Tate Tobin hmm. on the trail. Triple T. Triple T, man. People say chivalry is dead now, but I think it was dead before. <laughs> it seems like most of these guys just hop up and leave at the first sight of trouble, and their their wives are Immediately. just Immediately. Yeah. Oh, gotta go. Thomas Tate Tobin did the things like, for $5, I'll bring you a tooth, but for $15, I'll bring the head, the tail, <laughs> The whole damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow, the tail even. That's exciting. Tobin, he was a famous tracker and scout. He led campaigns against Indians alongside Wild Bill Hickok, Buffalo Bill Cody, and Kit Carson, real old west sideshow type of guy. Right. Uh, Tobin, lifelong friends with uh, Kit Carson, said to be the only man to surpass Carson in tracking, shooting, and scouting abilities. A short... We were out on the water. A hundred men out in the water, and there was a Mexican mm-hmm. deep in the ocean, and he pop up out. His eyes like a doll's eyes. Swole <laughs> back. A hundred men went in. Five men came out. Wow, he killed 95. That's a lot of people that die in the water. I don't know why I'm doing him as Quint. Yeah, why are you doing Jaws? 
<laughs> but you know, I mean, you could just flip this. This guy is also a serial killer. Yeah, everyone's oh, a no. serial killer. No, Tobin was a probably a pretty big piece of shit. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, he was one of those, you know, psychopathic Indian killers. It was said that he could track a grasshopper through sagebrush, which is also a, a, an old west term for finding the clitoris. <laughs> His reputation known throughout the Southwest in October of 1863. Tobin was in the prime of his life. He set out with 15 Union sh- soldiers. What did they form? They formed... Hmm. What could it be? A posse! Oh, it's a posse. Isn't that exciting? I mean, this is actually more of an official uh, right. type of... Uh, I had beer for breakfast and I had rum for dessert. Oh, my. <laughs> you had all the food. Oh, yeah. So this posse set out with 15 Union soldiers and a boy... To tend to Tobin's horse. Oh, the poor boy. Now, that's the one we, we just toss him around our laps every now and again. This is the problem is that, like, every single posse always involves some 12 year old boy who is just fucking always, always murdered. Yes. <laughs> Stop bringing the boy, I would just say. No, the boy was there to tend to Tobin's horse every time Tobin got off his horse to go inspect the trail. Mm-hmm. Don't want the horse walking off, and Tobin gets off the horse a lot. Right, you know, I right, think right. a lot of fun is that they think I'm a 12-year-old boy, but actually I'm a 45-year-old little person. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like the movie Orphan. <laughs> Proportional dwarfism. So they stopped only for a few hours of sleep every night. Tobin allowed no fires, and anyone in the company that complained or grew exhausted got sent right the fuck on back to the fort. Thank God. Yeah, I, that's where I want to be. I want to <laughs> be away from you, you sociopath. Fuck no, man. I want to find Espinosa. I want to start a fire and have s'mores. That's what I <laughs> thought we were going to be doing out here. <laughs> so after three days of constant search, the posse spotted smoke from a small campfire around which Espinosa and his 14-year-old nephew were found warming their hands. Tobin snuck up and watched the duo for a long while before Felipe, possibly sensing the end, stood up and stretched his arms out in a Jesus Christ pose. Tobin opened fire on the fiend and shot him in the stomach as Felipe called out, Jesus, pay for me! (laughs) (laughs) And collapsed into the fire. The nephew was quickly dispatched as he attempted to flee from the site. Tobin walked up to Espinosa, who had managed to pull himself out of the fire. Tobin recalled asking him, Do you know who I am? Felipe replied, Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> Tobin pulled out his machete, lopped the heavy blade down, <laughs> hacking twice to fully sever the head. Hmm. Upon his return to Fort Garland, Tobin immediately strode, strode into the office of Colonel Tapan. He announced, Got, got him. Got him. Tapan asked, Got what? I got this fucking bag of heads. Yeah, I got a bag of <laughs> Nope, none of them none of them are Filippi. Oh, I made a mistake. I left all the heads all. Oh. No. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know sad. what these are. Oh, yeah, these are guys who wouldn't, uh, they, they didn't scoop my ice cream fast enough. Fast and rough. Tobin reached into the flour sack he was carrying and pulled out the heads of Felipe and Jose Espinoza. As for the promised bounty of $550, the governor of Colorado soon revealed that the state, its funds depleted from the Indian wards, wars, just didn't have the money to pay Tobin. But in mm. its place, he was gifted an elaborate coat and a limited edition Henry rifle. A coat? 
An elaborate coat. I just beheaded two people and I get a coat. An elaborate coat. I didn't win a golf tournament. And a rifle. (laughs) I'd like my $550, please. You get a coat. I don't like this country anymore. (laughs) The head would be a traveling exhibit, as was the style at the time, until the early 1900s. A traveling exhibit. Yeah. No, yeah, they, they did used that. to do that all the time. Right, right, right. Back, they did the same thing with the when they first did, that was a problem when they dug up uh, King Tut. Mm. They just immediately just put him on the road. Yeah. So floating in a jar of alcohol, the head eventually found its way to the desk of the editor of the Fair Play Flume, and later in the offices of the Rocky Mountain News, the heads would eventually disappear into legend. Ooh. Ooh. Somebody drank all the booze, and then the head, <laughs> the head just didn't. <laughs> the head just, uh, you know, just went didn't survive. Away. And yeah. that's dripped away. Two tales of frontier madness. Oh I'll tell you God. this, man. Uh, I, it's, every time I read about like these time periods, it's just like, thank Christ, it's 2015. Oh. Yeah, just toilet paper, <sighs> running water, yeah, you yeah. know, plumbing. I got a memory foam topper to my bed. I can't handle just sleeping on a rock. No. It's fine. It's terrible. You, you, that's your family. It's your lineage. Your, your lineage. You're part fucking, you're part coyote. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. And damn proud of it. Part overseer as well. Well, you know, that's the other side of the family. There's mm-hmm. one side I'm proud of and one that's a little dubious. That's the part that, that makes Marcus a good producer. <laughs> oh, I see. Yes. So we're Managing his Managing is yeah. in my blood. Oh, yes. great, great. Um, all right. Wow. Frontier serial killers. Very intense. Fun yeah. stories. Oh, yeah. Great stories, man. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you uh, haven't subscribed to the podcast, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate and review while they're there. Uh, that pops us up into the top 100, the top 50 of iTunes. Yeah. Well, let's try to get into the top fucking 20. So if you haven't gone and rate and reviewed yet, go and do that. Uh, follow all of us on t- Follow Last Podcast on the left on mm-hmm. Twitter at LP on the left. That's at Ben Kissel at Henry Loves You. I'm at Marcus Parks. Go to cavecomedyradio.com slash last podcast on the left to get your last podcast on the left t-shirt. The $25 yes. domestic, $40 international. And it takes, and I'll, I'll go ahead and warn you, it takes a little bit to get out sometimes. Sometimes it can take up to a month. We're a podcast, not a t-shirt company, so please be patient with us. But your t-shirt will come as soon as it can possibly get there. Yes. So and, uh, uh, and thank uh, you so much for all the kind words that I have received on Facebook and on Twitter and things like that. Yeah. It really means a lot uh, to all of us because this business is very difficult and insane and uh, encouragement is always well received. Absolutely. And, you know, guys, the Facebook page is fucking great. Uh, yep, everyone, we're coming back. I'm, yeah. I've, been doing, I, I've been doing some public meltdowns on there to be included on my hotel journey. <laughs> That's great. I'm doing some meltdowns on Twitter, so make sure to follow me for those. Nice. You have really been doing some. I'm not going to say I'm concerned. Okay, very good. Thank you, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to Facebook to uh, read an article that I just discovered about how dirt is a natural antidepressant, so both of you can <laughs> fuck off. Uh, also, well, it Edward sounds like you're pretty apparently has got some information about how UFOs come from ultra-terrestrial civilization inside the Earth's mantle. Oh. So I'll be all. putting that up shortly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, well oh, Heil boy. Gein, everyone, and coming next week, that phrase hail is, is going to have Satan. an extra special Can I get, uh, Hail Satan, love you, Satan. Love you, Satan. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail me, please, this one. And Magus Oh, yeah, Magus Galatians. to you. Oh, just show up in my hotel room and see what happens. Do nothing. Don't go to his no. hotel room. Nothing. Do not. Nothing of come interest over. will happen. No, do just not. Just come on. 
Come on. Okay. Nice. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. <laughs>